listening to the Cars of Carlisle podcast, episode 45. John Dykowitz and Forward Look Mopars. Cars of Carlisle is your favorite internationally downloaded podcast about all things automotive. Darren and his CFC team are ever searching for interesting automotive happenings, real stories about real car people, and fun features to inform and entertain you. Each week, the Cars of Carlisle crew brings you show topics ranging from car shows to team adventures to auto racing weekends to behind-the-scenes human interest stories from car nuts that live across town, across the country, or even across the globe. Come join the road trip. Today, you will meet with a die-hard Mopar fan that has been smitten with the Chrysler brand since 1985. Darren welcomes John Dykowitz into Studio A of the Cars of Carlisle World Headquarters in Carlisle, Pennsylvania. Visiting from Manchester, John describes his years of attending Carlisle event shows, working on his family's 58 Plymouths with his dad, and showcasing his incredible project, work behind the one-of-a-kind forward look exhibit of Atomic Era Imperials, Plymouths, and Pontiacs. You're going to enjoy this interview. So close the hood and finish polishing the 50s chrome and let's get revved up. Hello and welcome back, Cubers, to your favorite informative automotive podcast. I am your host, Darren, and before we get started tonight with the interview with John, I want to say a big thank you to you for joining us. Appreciate you being back again this week. And a big thank you to our corporate sponsor, Man Engineering man-engineering.com out of Santa Clara, California, all things Subaru performance parts. So just like we've been doing now the past week or two, we're going to give you the trivia question. And before we wrap up this episode, you'll have the answer. So tonight's question is this, who is, uh, of these following names was the car designer most linked to Mopar, Chrysler, uh, Imperial, as well as Plymouth and, and the Pontiac brand. Was it A, Gordon Burig, B, Virgil X. Exner Sr., C, Eugene Bob Gregory, D, Richard Teague, or E, William Lyons? That answer at the end of this episode. Hello, Cars of Carlisle. Here in Studio A with me, who made the trip all the way to Carlisle, Pennsylvania. Thank you for the hour drive here. John Dykowitz. Hello. Thank you so much for being here at Cars of Carlisle Studio A. And tonight, I want, uh, I'm want i going to let him do most of the talking. Oh, great. <laughs> but let's definitely talk about the cars that are in your stable. And and just to kind of do a quick introduction, you talked earlier about how you got into Mopar. You're, of course, part of the Mopar Re- Rebellion uh, Car Club. Yes. And you were showing me some photos, and, and I, I'm so impressed. In fact, uh, we're going to try and get copies of those out on, on Instagram. But... Mm-hmm. Start with just how you got into it, and, I, and there's a particular movie that the Cubers will hear about that sort of launched it all for you. Yeah, my uh, point of entry into all of this was uh, Christine, which came out in 1983. Mm-hmm. Uh, my father and I at the time went and saw it around the Christmas holiday season, and you talk about a light going off, um, or headlights I should say, <laughs> it just, uh, it was like a, a white hot needle in a good way that just pierced right through me. And I was 17 at the time. I just had my permit. I was, I was granted use of my dad's 79 Grand Prix at the time to make short runs mm-hmm. under very, very strict conditions that must be adhered to, and I did. 
But, uh, you know, he... Did you have to file a flight plan and everything? And yes, yes. I had to log in, log out. Right. Uh, yeah, you know, make sure all fluid levels... Check the mileage. Mileage, you know, uh, mm-hmm. air pressure in the tires, the whole nine <laughs> yards. But it was good. It was good. You know, it was a good foundation to build upon. But, um, yeah, I mean, I just saw that film and it, it just exploded. Uh, you know, it was just like sensory explosion. Mm-hmm. So I literally um, said to him on the way home, it'd be cool if we could find a car like that and put it together mm-hmm. and he said yeah it would be so he proceeded to um you know ask around and the plant manager where he was the plant engineer was a car guy and a mopar guy specifically so he said yeah i'll, I'll keep my eye out I, I know what you're talking about i don't think i've seen anything like that well about four months later he spotted one uh, between Richmond and Petersburg, Virginia, where I was living at the time. Mm-hmm. And it was a uh, 58 Plymouth Belvedere four-door sedan sitting in the back of this modular mobile home lot, mm-hmm. pointed out. So when you turned into the lot at nighttime, that's when we made our first uh, visit, you know, the headlights from the 79 just gleamed right across in that mm-hmm. grill. And it was like, well... It grabbed you. Yeah, it's like, ah, yeah, this is, this is cool. So it took a little bit of negotiating, but uh, ended up getting the car... Uh, she was not running at the time and, you know, was given uh, basically a crash course of what an engine is, mm-hmm. how it works, and uh, what we need to do to at least try to get this thing roadworthy. And uh, eventually, over three months or so, we did get her running. And that ultimately became my first car. My first car out of the starting gate was a 1958 Plymouth. How cool is that? And that was my daily driver for about three years, three and a half years, and I drove it back and forth to New Jersey, where I'm originally from, uh, in snowstorms. Uh, the car had manual steering, manual brakes. It was a 318 uh, poly uh, two-barrel. and That's why muscle cars have a, it's kind of double entendre. You actually had to have muscles to on your right leg and your arms to Yeah, drive but I'll tell you what, driving that thing through, I mean, I, it was an ice snowstorm all the way up 301 uh, into Delaware, into South Jersey. Mm-hmm. Uh, she always held true. I mean, wow. I, I never felt like I was going to lose her. Uh, I think part of it was just being weight and just uh, the, the weight distribution, uh, the fact that, you know, with manual brakes, you have better feel. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, there are obvious times with manual steering you have to be a little bit of a schwarzenegger to get around mm-hmm. you know in certain situations is that a voice you do too uh yes california i'm the governor <laughs> i'll be back just to give you a little heads up john uh, was entertaining me earlier this evening he uh, is very good at some of his uh impressions so yeah, I won't bore you too much. But, uh, <laughs> Maybe we'll pepper them in throughout. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. Okay. The opportunity presents itself definitely. A Go for of, it. Yes. A little bit of color commentary. Absolutely. You know? So, but yeah, uh, with that, um, we jump forward to about 1987, and I was still living in Virginia at the time, uh, working for a company. My dad was up in New Jersey doing some contractual work, and he spotted uh, this other 58 Plymouth Tudor hardtop and an auto locator. Now, in the interim, my father had acquired a 59 Chrysler uh, Tudor hardtop at the very first Carlisle event we ever went to, which was spring 1985. And this car, all original, interior, paint, everything, was sitting there even on Sunday. Wow. No one was really paying attention to it because this was the time when they hadn't really 
kicked in yet. Yeah. There was appreciation with people who grew up during that time mm-hmm. and were maybe Mopar men all the way through. Mm-hmm. But, you know, as far as, you know, cultural impact, mm-hmm. even though Christina come out a few years earlier, it still didn't really, really hit okay. and stick. You know, it was Tri-5 Chevys, T-Birds, Mustangs, Corvettes, which are still mm-hmm. and always will be mm-hmm. immensely popular. So my dad, uh, you know, scored a deal and, you know, we ended up, uh, you know, taking that home. And then uh, he acquired a 1958 Plymouth Fury. Yeah, you know, we were sort of like a one-track mind, you know. <laughs> it had to be from the late 50s. It had to be Chrysler-related and had to have fins. Right. Uh, it's just what we gravitated towards. <laughs> so he ended up, anyway, he spotted this car in an auto locator in South Jersey and it was a Belvedere Tudor hardtop and they were asking $3,000 and he called me about it and said yeah there's one for sale up here you know do you want me to go check it out and it's not like I was rolling in cash or anything you know I was but I had a few dollars and of course he helped me out uh well he actually bought my first car (laughs) but I paid him back that's okay yeah so I was like well geez you know I, I got mine you got the fury I just I don't know I you know, so I waited about a day, and then it, I was just thinking, it's like, you know what? It couldn't hurt if he just went to look at it. Right. So we've all been there. Yeah. So I called him, and he called the owner, whose you know name and number was part of the ad, and it was still there. And he went over and looked at it, and it looked like a fairly solid car. It was running. Uh, the owner, uh, she was the sister of the original owner, and it was given to her, or yeah, signed over to her in the mid '70s. She said that one other person had looked at it, expressed interest, but never followed up on mm-hmm. it. And she said to my father, if you're interested, you know, $150 down payment, we'll secure it for you. So he relayed this back to me, and I still kind of dragged my feet. It's like, ah, do I really want to get involved with another one? Mm-hmm. So then I, I came to the conclusion, yes, I do. Mm-hmm. Called him, he called her, yes, it's still available. And I was getting ready to send a payment through the mail and this is the first and only time I've done this and I don't know I'm not going to say it was a voice in my head I like the story yeah I went to Western Union and actually sent the payment via Western Union talk about irony and just you know this weird twilight zone yeah serendipitous how they tell me this story it's pretty cool my payment for the car arrived at 1230 on I think a Wednesday afternoon this other person who expressed interest sent his payment mail. It arrived the same day at 3.30. <laughs> so she was like, she shared this later. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. You know, I got two payments here for this car. Mm-hmm. And her son asked, well, who's arrived first? And she said, well, Western Union was here around 12.30. It's his car as long as he pays for it. Nice. And that was the right decision, not just because I ended up with it, but mine did arrive first. But right. yeah, I literally, you know, <laughs> got my wow. my fifty eight within the space of three hours. You could have been that second place. Yeah, and for all I know, I probably was. You know mm-hmm. how things work. Right. But uh, this one worked in my favor, and I still have the car uh, to this day. And, and uh, we're gonna have photos out on Cars of Carla Instagram. Uh, John brought his book and we were pouring through it's just spectacular thank you I really appreciate that it's I, a beautiful car I've had her out at uh, Carlisle at the Chrysler show obviously mm-hmm. several times and uh, you know these cars they're vehicles literally but they also are metaphorically because mm-hmm. you know they 
connect you with other people. Mm-hmm. You know, and people, eras. Yes. I mean, you're tr- when you show me the photos of you some years back standing in khakis, a white t-shirt, that photo looked like it could have been colorized from the late, you know, late 58, 59. It's amazing. Well, that was the thing about that era, and I found this out later. Now, obviously, I saw the film, fell in love with the car, and it's mm-hmm. always about the car, first right. and foremost, but it's everything around it. Mm-hmm. You know, I learned the by... St- yeah, I learned by studying that that was really a golden age for marketing mm-hmm. and promotion, and, you know... Elaborate the, on that. That's Yeah, well, just, you know, uh, before cars were, you know, introduced, you know, in usually September of a, of a given year, mm-hmm. for weeks in advance... You know, the companies would take ads out in magazines, showing the car undercover, but maybe strategically pulling back, you know, a little bit of it to show, reveal the fender, mm-hmm. kind of like a slow, motorized striptease. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and it just yeah. build up, you know, yeah. the anticipation. The hype. Yeah. And the cars, you know, they came into the dealerships, they were covered over on the carriers. The windows of the showrooms were all soaked up. Maybe again, strategically with a little area that was clear so you could maybe just possibly peer in and just get a view of, mm-hmm. again, maybe the bumper or a little portion of the grill. Mm-hmm. And it was just building that up. Mm-hmm. And announcement day, I never got a chance to experience it this way, but my, my father said it was really something. I mean, people came all out. You know, they had coffee and donuts and orange mm-hmm. juice for all the families and mm-hmm. little promo cars for the kids sure. and, you know, just little trinkets and all that. I mean, there was a lot of, like, P.T. Barnum Ballyhoo, which is great. Yeah. You know, it, it, it frames it all out. Yeah. You know, once again, it's always about the car, but it was everything around it. Right. You know, and uh, as I learned this, I just became more and more immersed in that scene, mm-hmm. you know, and it was a cool scene, and it lasted through the '60s into the '70s. Uh, we discussed this earlier. In the '80s, things kind of just tapered off for, I think, mm-hmm. a myriad of reasons. And you know, I, I think, you know, in certain sectors, they're trying to instill that again. You know, as they look back, you know, on a lot of footage, a lot of you know, you know, ads that are out there online in these databases, mm-hmm. you know on Google or Bing or whatever, and they see, wow, you know, this was really imaginative. Yes. You know, distinction and character. Yes. You know, not only the vehicle, but just everything around it. Mm-hmm. You know, the product, the placement, the promotion, you know, boom. It's the full package. Exactly. That's what really, you know, mm-hmm. pulls it all together. And uh, coming up to Carlisle, well, we made our first pilgrimage, I said, in spring of 85. My dad ended up with that Chrysler, mm-hmm. uh, which we still have as well. Um and she made her return visit to the Chrysler show last year. So it was pretty cool. You know, I had both of them there. Right. Different parts of the field, but yeah, they were yeah. there. And, you know, you meet people that you met years ago that came up, hey, you got her back, cool. And other people nice. like, geez, you know, my, my father or my grandfather had one of these. Or, you know, uh, my grandmom, I remember her picking me up from school in one of these. Yeah. And yeah. you literally meet people from all over the world. It's a, it is a real focal point for, you know, this hobby. Uh, well, this might be an ideal segue. You, when you came to uh, came to the studio tonight, you were telling me a little bit about your upcoming trip coming in April, which is really a culmination of people that have come into your life by way of Carlisle. You want to talk a little bit about that, John? Absolutely. Uh, this coming April, I'm taking a trip out to California with one, two, three, four friends, meeting up with a fifth friend who lives out in California, uh, met up with all these people originally at uh, Carlisle, at the Chrysler Show. And our uh, motivation here is to pick up two cars, another 58 Plymouth and a (laughs) 1960 Dodge, 
that will be roadworthy, although we're going to be doing a little bit of work to just make sure, and we have extra parts. But uh, from Northern California, we're trekking down to Las Vegas for a car show uh, 50s event, Viva Las Vegas, and then motoring all the way back east, hitting as much of Route 66 as possible. That's so and, cool. And uh, once again, this... Uh, what a pilgrimage. Yeah. This was all brought together, you know, through the friendly confines of uh, Carlisle. Mm -hmm. You know, just once again, it's a gathering point and you show your face there, you're going to hit it off with people and usually you're going to become friends and uh, yeah, some really cool things happen as a result. Well, since 85, what are some of your best memories of just the Carlisle event shows and, and maybe even just the Chrysler Nationals? And there are so many. Uh, again, I've met so many people over the years, uh, vendors, fellow uh, car owners that have displayed their vehicles, uh, just uh, you know, people that work there. Yes. Uh, you know, I don't know if I should drop names, but Ed Biseski, yeah. super nice guy. Yeah, he's um, incredible. Mike Garland, fantastic. Uh, mm -hmm. Talk about a guy who's just on top of everything and is, you know, these guys are never neutral. Well, Mike. Mike is uh, a big shout out to him because every Tuesday night by midnight, whenever I launch and put propagate this out to iTunes, I send him a link and he uploads Cars of Carlisle podcast to the Carlisle Events website. So as a media affiliate, he makes sure that my link is out there every single week. So He's on top of everything. It's is. amazing how many All hours of the day, too. Yeah. He wears many hats and he wears them well. He does. And uh, I've become friends with some of these people that work there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it's just great. Probably, though, I mean, as far as the Chrysler event, which really is, you know, it is an annual <laughs> picnic for us, really. <laughs> you know, just getting together. It's you know, homecoming in a way. Yeah, it is. You know, we're, we're camped out on the ground. We have our cars. Um, some people actually are, are vending there, and they come in with their vintage Shastas or Scotty trailers. Yeah, you were telling me that. That's yeah, fun. we'll have little cookouts and all that. <laughs> But, uh, you know, one that really sticks out and always will is uh, 2015 when uh, Ed uh, granted us the uh, use of uh, the old Gutshaws building, Building mm. G, outside of Gate 1. Yeah, tell he me said, about that. This is a great story. Well, as you know, that building was used for years as a showcase for certain exhibits. And it didn't matter if it was GM, Chrysler, Ford. It's like, okay, we're going to try and they always did succeed in mm -hmm. creating the atmosphere with the cars as the focal point mm -hmm. of vintage dealership yep. setting, yep. you know. So he came to me in, I guess it was late 14, yeah, 2014, and said, hey, um, I'm thinking about letting you guys, you forward look guys, do something out there. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, that's great. And he goes, do you want to pull it together? I was like, really, me? It's like, yeah, you're in the middle of it, and you know these people, mm -hmm. and you know what's out there better than I do, and cripe, you live it. Yeah. I was like, well, yeah, there's no denying that. So over the coming months, using lists that he provided me of invitational cars and then just people that I know mm -hmm. who have really cool <laughs> yeah. you know, Chrysler products between 1955 and 61, which is the forward look era, uh, we put together just a fantastic cross-section, and then... Uh, Jeff and Jessica, uh, who are making the trip out to California, uh, who live up in New York, and myself, we uh, we have a decent-sized collection of memorabilia, uh, showroom memorabilia, yeah. banners and things, and we really, you know, dressed the place up and made it look as close as possible to stepping into mm -hmm. a Chrysler, Plymouth, Dodge, DeSoto, Imperial dealership circa 1955 to 61. So cool. 
I even went as far as I brought in my portable uh, record player and spun tunes from the era. <laughs> a lot of flamingos, Chuck Berry, yeah. Elvis, of course, and yeah. Eddie Cochran. Yeah. Very cool. So just to kind of set the mood. And uh, it, it was fantastic. Uh, the place was busy all three days that it was well, actually four days because even though Thursday is not technically the first day, so many people are already in place. They're yeah. out there just yeah. absorbing everything. Yeah, it's the one thing I can. One time I can say because uh, I love going through the flea market. I love it. I just right. love hitting the swap area. I was no more than maybe fifty yards away. I never made it over. It was that busy constantly. <sighs> that many people, you know, coming up asking questions. Yes, and right. See this, see that. But it was great. You know, it just. You know, the only thing, it didn't last long enough. Right. It just flew by so quickly. It's like, God, it's time to pack up. Well, when you tell me that story when we first talked by phone some time back, some weeks ago, truly what a swan song. What what a, a pivotal moment as far as you were in your element. It, the project came together seamlessly through arduous work and a lot of planning and a lot of creativity on your part and everything. You showed me the t-shirt that you designed and the in-focus and we, we, we even could put photos of that out. But... Uh, what an amazing uh, wonder! Yeah, you can hang your hat on that. It's the one I'll take with me. Mm-hmm. You know, there are others, but as far as cars are concerned, Carlisle and being honored, and it really was mm-hmm. an honor mm-hmm. that Ed came to me and said, "You pull together. Mm-hmm. You need certain things. You let me know if you have any questions, but I trust you to do this." Yeah, I mean that. You showed me the, the byline and the article that you wrote, and I mean, just everything. You pulled it all. You were empowered. You did it, and anyone that was there remembers it. Yeah, and I, w- I was really nervous because I, I wanted this to really make an impact with people, mm-hmm. and it did. Mm-hmm. Not only the people who came out and visited, but I heard afterwards from Ed and everyone that it was, quote unquote, a hit. Nice. And I was like, cool, great. That's, yeah. that's what we wanted. It, it left a lasting impression. And uh, it, it really is one of my proudest moments. It should be. should yeah. be. Now, I know, on, and again, so sorry, I know you lost your father around that same time. Are there elements of you growing up? And, and I know you guys, of course, uh, you told the story about finding your first uh, together, that the Mopar and everything. Are there points later in uh, yeah, since that time that you have a really fine memory, just that, that father-son car moments? Oh, those, those definitely, moments. definitely. Uh, my dad's 59 Chrysler. He had it back at uh, the Chrysler event in the Mopar, Mopar Survivors okay. tent yeah. or building. You know, Sometimes it was a tent, sometimes it was a building, usually a tent, several times. So uh, at least seven or eight times, I'm over in the show field with my 58 Plymouth. He's over in the Survivors tent with his Chrysler. Mm-hmm. And just being able to experience that event in that way with my dad mm-hmm. it's just fantastic and over the years we made so many treks into salvage yards here in Pennsylvania down in Virginia hunting parts and, you know I, I remember vividly in fact the four barrel intake and the carb and the air cleaner that are on my car now and have been on there since 2003 came out of a salvage yard not too far from here and we actually removed <laughs> the uh, intake in a rainstorm. Oh. It was a weird situation. The original owner had passed away, and it was left to the sun, and he was really hard to nail down and made things kind of difficult when you could get in there and how much time you had. So, you know, it was almost like, not exactly, but like 
the confidence course at Paris Island or something like that, <laughs> having to high hurdle things, get over there right. and, and, you know, execute quickly. Right. And, you know, I just, I have so many memories like that and a lot of pictures too, because I, I, I consider myself uh, an amateur shutter bug and, mm-hmm. you know, I always wanted to showcase as much as possible when I could going into these places uh, because it was always in the back of my mind, eventually they're not going to be there. Yeah. And unfortunately, most of them aren't. Right. But I do have a lot of photographs, and there's a lot of photographs of me and Dad next to a 58 or a 59 or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, so. I was impressed with what you brought along tonight, too, that a bit of a, like an archivist where you'll find postcards and original mm-hmm. photos and people will share things with you around you know, 58 Plymouth and what have you. But it's almost a bit of what I was impressed as I flipped through your, your these, these books was it's capturing almost Americana from the mid-century. Yeah. Once again, it just... It was the whole approach. Mm-hmm. It was the, the creative approach to everything. You know, it's, you know, obviously you have the, the, the fundamental focus of practicality. Sure. You know, a car, a truck, a bike, it's transportation. Right. Point A to point B yeah. and back. Yeah. Beyond the pragmatic. Right. So you always take care of that. And they did. But they put everything else around it. Mm-hmm. You know, again, you know, the packaging and, you know, the promotion in print on yes. television you know, at uh, car shows, you know, the the events, you know, the I grew up in South Jersey, not all that far away from Atlantic City. And I know General Motors, for instance, they always had a uh, an exhibit there at the Steel Pier. Mm. Yeah, they always had concept cars. Mm-hmm. So, hey, you're at the beach in the middle of July. You can, you know, for, it was like a modest fee, go in there and look at the cars. That's cool. And just the way they had them, you know, how they presented them. Yeah. And it's just, and it was not just, you know, cars, but it was just that whole era. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, you know, the how... The pomp, the circumstance, just the... Exactly. The... the Fanfare. The hype. Yeah. 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 They really got people into the mood. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. And made it know. special, too. Yeah, it made it special. Yeah, you're going to buy a car, which, you know, that's a momentous occasion for, you know, sure. a working family. Sure. You know, it, it, it's, a, it's a big investment. Mm-hmm. And they just made it kind of almost exotic <laughs> mm-hmm. in the sense mm-hmm. that you know you're walking into these dealerships and the way they were you know literally displayed um, you know with again the vehicles but then everything around it you know and all the brochures and all the you know all the you know the decorative accents and everything it, mm-hmm. it was just a, a special special time mm-hmm. and uh, over the years again uh, you know everything kind of runs in parallel paths with me you know, going to Carlisle and, and such, you know, I always, you know, tried to collect as much as I could for these cars in the way of, you know, brochures and promotional giveaways. And, mm-hmm. you know, they always, even if you walked away without a car. Right. The, you always left with something. Right. Hey, thank you for coming in. Thank you for taking a test drive. Mm-hmm. Here's a little something for you and for Billy. Hey, exactly. here's a little model or something. You know? Right. And that's cool. You know, right. you know, that, that, it's memorable. It's memorable. Mm-hmm. And... When I have my car out and about, could be in a parking lot somewhere. I'm just doing some shopping. Although I always make make a point of where I park. I'm mm-hmm. not that you know right. paranoid, but still, you got to take some precautions. You know, people will come up uh, on occasion, and it's great. Hey, you know, we had one of these at one time. You know, or mm-hmm. my dad had one, mm-hmm. and they remember vividly. You know, just mm-hmm. you know, possibly being with them when they purchased it, mm-hmm. trips they took. Yes. Uh, I always ask them about photographs. I I love acquiring copies of photographs if they had one of mm-hmm. 
the family or mm. dad with the car back in the day. Sure. And yeah, that that binder's filled with them, and it, it's just yeah, there, there's an immediate connection. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm hoping to uh, acquire something soon from this man uh, who happened to be at a show that I attended in October. Once again, I had my Plymouth Park there, and he came up. He was a retired police officer, and he said, "I bought one of these new." I was like, "Really?" And of course, I get into the specifics. A yes. Belvedere goes, "No, I had a Savoy two-door hardtop." Okay. It's like, wow, 350 Golden Commando engine. Great engine. The pa- the power plant goes, yeah, yep. Three-speed on the column. You're kidding me. You know, he remembers vividly all yeah. the options. But yeah, because yeah, these cars, you know, the uh, the 727 Torque Flight three-speed automatic, that was really the transmission head. Mm. Where do you? Um, you know, encounter someone that had one that was manual with the big power plant. In fact, I only know of one other, and that's a buddy of mine who lives in South Jersey. Hey, Jim, how you doing? <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, you know, it, it's just really cool when you have those encounters, you know, and it's just, it's like you can see it on their face as they're looking at yes. your car, they're flashing back immediately and with vivid detail yes. when they had theirs, and they can tell you specifically about it. Right. You know, people right. really get a kick out of the uh, push-button transmission mm-hmm. you know, with the automatic. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how many times I've been within earshot, I see people leaning in, looking at it. And I've heard this on more than one, of a, on more than one occasion. This is the, this is, I learned how to drive on this. Nice. And then something to the effect, you know, you just push the button. Mm-hmm. If you can't learn how to operate that, you have no chance. Right, right. You know, but yeah, PDR, it's, it's pretty straightforward. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Immediate connection, and uh, you know, some of these people in turn, I've become you know friends with, and you know, when I know there's an upcoming event, I'll let them know. They'll you know mm-hmm. hopefully come out. Mm-hmm. That's the one thing about living in Pennsylvania. You know, there there are so many events that are going on. Yeah, we are very fortunate with that. Saturated. Yeah. Saturated. Very very blessed. Yeah, in this particular year, we have three large Chrysler events happening in quick succession. Uh, we have the uh, Chrysler event, obviously, in mid-July. Mm-hmm. The very following weekend in Lidditz, the uh, National Chrysler Products Club are having their national event. And yep. then two weeks later at McCungy, uh, Das Auchfest, uh, they're focusing on Chrysler. So I've been wow. putting the word out there, hey, you're thinking about coming in? Right. You know, maybe you can block out a few weeks because yeah. it's going to be uh, yeah. pretty awesome. Make an extended <laughs> stay. Yeah. That's excellent. What about um, for you? One thing I wanted to share too. That's a good point about Pennsylvania and all that we're able to see and, and enjoy, because this particular podcast has really started to grow. It's we have fans all across the U.S. We have Canada, um, South America, Europe. For us, we of course have been immersed in this this obsession. We'll call it an American obsession with all things automotive. But is there anything particularly about your era of car, mm-hmm. late 50s, the mid-century, uh, that Ford look, that maybe someone that is uh, didn't really, uh, wasn't exposed to American culture may not know anything about, anything unique for them? Well, that era, I mean, it just embodied all the like I know we talked earlier about rock. Everything was very much rocket and space. Yeah, it, it was the atomic yeah. age. It really yes. was. Uh-huh. I mean, the Mercury program, I think, kicked off in like 58, 59. And, you know, about 10 years later, culminated with Neil's, you know, mm-hmm. one small step on the, on the lunar surface. Mm-hmm. But uh, that era just encapsulated just all the optimism and all the advances in engineering 
and it just combined them all together just to present the most dynamic automobiles. And it's funny because people that are into cars from other eras, they do make a point of walking over mm-hmm. and really studying mm-hmm. the designs and the engineering features yes. of these cars. There's a timelessness to it. Yeah. Because the muscle era, which I love, which I guess technically started in the mid-60s and went through the early 70s, well, it started in the 50s. Mm-hmm. You know, and with Chrysler, that's when, you know, Mopar first flexed its muscle. <laughs> you know, with the Fury, with the D500 package, with the Dodge, mm-hmm. the Soto Adventure, the Chrysler 300, they all started during that time period. Mm-hmm. So... You know, it really was the springboard for everything that came later. And I just think during that six-year span, you know, 55 to 61, I mean, they just, they dialed it in perfectly. <laughs> they, really yeah. they really did. Yeah. They really did. And a lot of people... And I think we talked earlier, it's not just Mopar products, too. No. No, it was it was all. It made. was the, the age of the fin, essentially. Yeah, yeah. the fin, uh, you know, was the prominent feature on, on most, but not all of them. But it was just, you know, this reach to create something distinctively different from mm-hmm. the competition mm-hmm. to make it unique to the point where a mile down the road or a half mile coming from the opposite direction, you know, exactly. You maybe had to get a little closer. Sure. But yeah. di- very distinct. Yes. Mm-hmm. Very. And that just permeated the whole industry. And that's what made it so, so cool and right. unique is that uh, it was almost like the designers had carte blanche. Yeah. Good point. You know, just t- take care of all the practicality that, you know, it is transportation. And we're not going to say necessarily that whatever you draft <laughs> will be accepted and sure. approved. Yeah. But feel as though it will. Blow away the box. Yeah. There is no box. Yeah. And interestingly enough, none of the vehicles from that era look like a box. Yeah, not a one. No. Not a one. Well, you and I have had some great conversations leading up to this, uh, us being able to have this conversation here in the studio in Carlisle. And part of those conversations, some of the great people you've met. And people very unassuming and I think that came up with our, our mutual thought of really amazing about our hobby in the sense that it doesn't matter what you do for a living or no. where you come from no. or what country you're from or no. any of it. It's you love a vehicle That's and, it. and you can strike up a conversation. There have been some pretty interesting characters and great people you've met. Maybe you want to share one or two stories. Yeah, well, I, I, this one, and forgive me, I, I just remember the gentleman's name. This was several years ago, but uh, he walked up. Uh, to me when I was near my 58 Plymouth and my dad was there and he was really studying it and he said, oh, you're the owner. Mm-hmm. I was like, yes. He goes, ah, beautiful car, beautiful car. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was from, I found out Is later. Is it Estonia or something? Uh, it was either Estonia, Latvia, Estonia or Latvia. Okay. This good, beautiful car, beautiful. I've always loved these. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Is this your father? And mm-hmm. I was like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he turned to my father and he goes, it's nice to see class, you know, nice to see, you know, father and son and all this. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it, I found this out later because I met him later at a, an event in Tulsa a couple years after that initial meeting that uh, he immigrated to this country with basically nothing. Um, but he was educated over there and was able to continue his education here. 
and he ended up designing a key component of the artificial heart and he always had a passion for American cars and he shared with me that he had a 58 Dodge and he started just running down the list you know and he lived and there again there was no braggadocious or anything like mm -hmm. that he lived in the Hollywood Hills and he showed me photographs very lavish home mm -hmm. but uh, I've you know, found this routinely. Uh, when you're there at a gathering like this, you know, it doesn't matter what your socioeconomic level is, doesn't matter what your educational level is, mm -hmm. you're just there yeah. for the cars. Yeah. And then you connect. It's common ground. Right. And well said. It, it's just it's just a, a great setting to really connect with people. And you know, some people you you meet them once, you never see them again. That's life. Right. But I, it's just amazing the number of people that I've met that have become very good acquaintances that I see at least once or twice a year, and several of them become very good friends, and we talk regularly. Well, sure. Yeah, Case in point. I'm, road trip coming up in April. Yeah, road trip, you know, across the country, and yeah. two forward-look Mopars. <laughs> well, you and I have talked about this before. We're definitely going to do a part two to this. Yes. Where we're going to, I'm going to come to you. We're going to take pictures and I want to see that, that your beauty is up, up close and personal. But that might be good too. It'll be springtime. We'll hear about the trip. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure there's going to be a plethora of stories to share from that. So how could there not be? Yeah, and I'm, uh, I'm taking my camera and I'm going to chronicle as much of it as possible. And then some, you know, from all angles. Uh, this is right. something I've been wanting to do. You know, unfortunately, I won't have my car out there, but that's okay. I'm with you know really good friends and uh, still have uh, you know the forward look uh, vehicle <laughs> you know taking us cross country. So it's going to be really cool. It's going to be really cool. You know, Virgil Exner lives and through us. Yeah. Uh, Virgil was the uh, the design master of these vehicles for mm -hmm. Chrysler, and mm -hmm. uh, yeah, you know, through us, you know, his creations, him and his engineering team, design team, mm -hmm. you know, continue on, and uh, yeah, we're gonna log some miles here coming up in April. <laughs> that is awesome. Well, I really appreciate you coming up, making this trip. Is there anything that you would want? else to add to this interview opening part one well as far as you know Carlisle's concerned and I mean it's been the epicenter of so many things in my motoring life mm -hmm. literally uh, it continues to grow yes its reach um, is greater than it's ever been every year it just seems to be larger more people from more areas of the world yes very much so and, you know, those who have been here are eager to get back. And those who have never been, if in some manner you can, mm -hmm. you will not be disappointed. Mm -hmm. You will not be disappointed. You will leave with... It's a spectacle. Yeah. Yeah, when you leave the event, you will leave with much more than what you came with. Oh, precisely. I mean that. I mean on every level. Yeah. You know, you're going to pick up physical items. Right. You're going to make contacts yeah. and... You know, relationships are going to develop, and whatever it is you're working on, or whatever it is you're thinking of maybe getting involved with, there's going to be a support team there. Yes, exactly. Just with the first visit. Mm -hmm. And I speak from firsthand experience. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing memories for all of us. Yes. And that's that's what I love meeting uh, new people and you sharing your stories. There is something that you come away with every single time, even even every day that you're there. If you're there for the three to four day weekend. There's so much that just resonates with everyone. The great dynamic is there are certain constants 
in the sense you know what to expect. It's going to be at a certain level. Mm-hmm. Certain people in certain mm-hmm. positions that make that happen. Mm-hmm. Ed, Mike, just yeah. to name a couple. That's right. The people that you become friends with that come back because it is an annual gathering. Mm-hmm. But with that, no two are exactly the same. That's true. That's true. Ever. Mm-hmm. I can just say our little sector on the infield where we have our forward look vehicles and I have the photographic evidence, <laughs> no two lineups look exactly the same. Right. There are some people that came in once and I never saw them again. Mm-hmm. Some that are regulars once again. But there's always a different mix. So the consistency attracts you and the fact that it's going to be different attracts you. Mm-hmm. So it hits on both ends of the spectrum. Yeah. It meets in the middle. It's the perfect balance. Well, to leave with a little bit of fun, because we do like to have fun with this with this podcast, are there any voices that you want to close out our interview part one with? Well, I don't know if anyone uh, happens to like the Beatles, but, uh, you know, I never actually made it to Carlisle, but uh, you might have seen my psychedelic, psychedelic Bentley one time or two. Uh, possibly, I think it came off auction. Uh, I don't know. I think uh, possibly Ringo uh, grabbed it at one point. Oh, I don't know. I, don't, I didn't grab it at all. You know, I got my own goals. I don't need your thing. Maybe it was Paul, you know, he likes that thing. I don't, I don't know. Well, that was a funny bit. I don't know. No, it's not. No, I don't think so. I didn't know. I like limos. <laughs> well, thank you. That was Fab Four. Can't, can't leave out George. Yes, John was very precise in what he says, but uh, I had no hands on the wheel at all. <laughs> nice job with the Fab Four. I appreciate that. Well, John, gratitude. Thank you so much for making the trip in tonight. And thank you. Uh, we'll, no, this we, we was great. Th- we will come to you next time. So okay, so sounds much. good. All right, take care. All right. Well, I hope you enjoyed tonight's episode. We certainly love having you be part of this. You are the Cars of Carlisle community. You are the Cubers. If you haven't done so, please subscribe on iTunes, rate and review if you feel like we're worth it, which I think we are. Five stars would be greatly appreciated. And put the word out there to any of your friends, family, and car club buddies that uh, would enjoy this show as well. As we wrap up, want to give you that trivia answer. The answer is actually B, Virgil X. Exner Sr., Mr. Exner was uh, known for being an automotive designer for numerous American companies, but most notably the Studebaker and Chrysler companies. And Exner is widely known for the forward look that you heard during this episode with John talking a lot about his passion for that, and he created that during the 1955 to 1963 era. So we will see you back next week. As always, continue to enjoy all things Cars of Carlisle. And I'll say drive well, be well, and take care.